From COK Studios in Faith Saley's sunroom, this is Consider Our Knowledge. I'm Connor Bentley. And I'm Cordell Knockbrock. On today's show, we'll consider the ongoing crisis in hurricane-ravaged Puerto Rico. We'll also consider what books you should be reading this fall with Lynn Ruffle in our Book Look segment. And we'll consider how I stopped worrying and learned to love the bomb. Stay with us. Support for Consider Our Knowledge comes from the Hugh Hefner Foundation, providing silk pajamas and teaching pubescent boys to objectify nude women since 1958. And Kashi, making simple, wholesome foods from natural ingredients and ensuring that they all have the taste and texture of dry cardboard. Kashi, taste the board. This is Consider Our Knowledge. I'm Connor Bentley. And I'm Cordell Nutbrock. President Trump heads to storm-ravaged Puerto Rico this week, but has come under fire again for a series of tweets early Saturday morning where he went after Carmen Yulene Cruz, the mayor of San Juan. In addition to calling Yulene Cruz a poor leader, Trump touted his administration's response to the situation in Puerto Rico as fantastic. It is clear that Washington's handling of the recovery effort has not been nearly satisfactory, as the tearful Cruz said at a press conference, We are dying here, and called on President Trump to put someone in charge of the relief effort who is up to the task of saving lives. Puerto Rico, home to more than 3 million U.S. citizens, has had limited food, bottled water, and medical supplies since Hurricane Maria struck two weeks ago. But the spin from the Trump administration continues to be that everything is not as bad as it seems. Joining us now to discuss the response to the devastation in Puerto Rico is the mayor of San Juan, Carmen Yulín Cruz via Skype. Glad to have you with us. My pleasure. Mayor Cruz, you've been very outspoken on behalf of your people who have not been getting what they need. Have things improved over the past few days? Somewhat, but not enough. And certainly not thanks to Donald Trump. It is because of the strength of the people of Puerto Rico. President Trump is acting like this is some game. It's life and death. We are in dire need. This isn't some golf game or some stupid reality TV show with Gary Busey and Andrew Dice Clay. When he gets here, I'm eager to show him what we are dealing with. And what is that? It's it's a physical representation of the Trump presidency. A massive show. When he tours the damage this week, he better watch out because I might just accidentally push him into some of our water that's been contaminated by sewage. Whoopsie. Sorry, Mr. President. Seems fair. Here's a few tips for the president when he gets here. The people of Puerto Rico are Americans. Any people assembled should not be called a great crowd because they're actually gathered to receive medicine and food and water. Sadly, our golf courses are unplayable right now, so you'll have to pretend to care about the rebuilding of our island. And we don't really have the infrastructure to give you a big rally of welcome. And even if we did, we wouldn't, because you are the worst. Thank you. I'm sure you have a lot to do, so we won't keep you any longer. Yeah, yeah. I have actual work to do. I don't just watch Fox News and tweet all day. Good luck with your recovery efforts. Thank you. Now I'd like to turn to Tyler Ebron, who is an independent researcher from the Natural Disaster Relief Project. You've been tracking the response by the Trump administration to the devastation in Puerto Rico. Yes, we have. We wanted to see if it was indeed worse than other responses to natural disasters. 
We took the data that we have to see if the Trump administration has been worse in its response than, say, the catastrophic failures of the Bush administration to Hurricane Katrina or the Obama administration's work after Hurricane Sandy. Well, what did you find out? It's actually too early to tell. So far, it's not great, though. I will say this. Even though President Bush and FEMA royally screwed up the response to Katrina, they never publicly insulted the officials from New Orleans on Twitter. Quite. I understand your research led you in another direction. Yes. While we were comparing the different disasters, we actually did some modeling to see how President Trump might have responded to other crises that other presidents faced. Ooh, and what did that look like? Bad. Our team crafted some mock tweets that the president likely would have sent. For the Great Depression, he would have said, All of these people need to stop being so lazy and depressed. Pathetic. It's not the bad depression anyway. It's the Great Depression. Hashtag make depressions great again. I see. What else? The energy crisis of the 1970s. Our loser nation needs to have more energy like me. Just rest more because the more energy you expend, the less you have for later. That's science. Those seem very accurate. Here's one more for the Three Mile Island nuclear accident in 1979. Stop whining about the radiation. That reactor meltdown probably just gave everyone superpowers. I'm going to go there and become a superhero and be better than the haters and losers in Pennsylvania. Oof. One can only wonder what tweets we have in store for future disasters. Yeah, it's really depressing. Quite. That was Tyler Ebron from the Natural Disaster Relief Project. You're listening to Consider Our Knowledge. Now we welcome back COK's resident librarian, Lynn Ruffle, for an autumnal edition of our Book Look series. Lynn has a great list of new books for us, and it's great to have her in the studio today. Nice to be here, Connor. So what have you been up to, Lynn? Well, I've spent the past week getting into the fall spirit. I bet you have. I got out all of my sweaters, put out several baskets full of decorative gourds, and got out all of my favorite autumnal books. I also changed the display cases and bulletin boards at the library. I know you love to do that. Mm -hmm. People think that libraries are just for books and for homeless men to browse pornography on the internet. But the display cases and bulletin boards are just as, if not more, important. I was especially excited this year because the office supply store unveiled three new autumnal bulletin board borders. It was like the spectacular spring of 2007 all over again. I still have the shamrock border in my files. That good, huh? Uh-huh. So what books should people read this fall? My first pick for this fall is The Language of Thorns, Midnight Tales and Dangerous Magic by Lee Bardugo. This book is a collection of fairy tales illustrated by Sarah Kippen, and they are far more grim than Disney. The stories are reminiscent of ones that you grew up with, but it's as if they're being told by a, a more jaded, bitter, and cold-hearted author. Someone whose life has been thrust into a dystopian vision of the world, who had thought the darkest times were in the past, only to discover how bad things are. So, like most of us in Trump's America. Exactly! I gave it a B plus because it was good, but too real, Connor. Okay. 
My next pick is The Woman Who Smashed Codes. It's a nonfiction book by Jason Fagon that tells the story of a pioneering codebreaker, Elizabeth Friedman, who, with her husband William, helped catch both smugglers and Nazis. It's a very detailed book that made me want to be a codebreaker or a spy. The world of espionage is so exciting and suspenseful. The Freedmen certainly lived thrilling lives. The only thing that could make this world even more attractive to me is vampires. vampires. <gasps> you know me so well, Connor. Well, not every book can have vampires, Lynn. I know. And it just breaks my heart. Thankfully, it's almost Halloween. So there's lots of books with vampires I can read. Here to tell us about some classic Halloween books is my fellow librarian, Paulette. Oh, hello there. If you're looking for some spooky stories and bone-chilling books, I have some great suggestions for you. If it's vampires you want, and I know you do, <laughs> check out the classic Bram Stoker's Dracula. You can also read any of Anne Rice's many, many vampire books or the Twilight series. But you really should read one of the books in Lynn's Red Sunset Saga. Oh, I just started writing the next one in the series. It's called The Crypt of Yearning. Oh, what a great title. Thanks. You can always read Mary Shelley's Frankenstein this time of year or The Legend of Sleepy Hollow by Washington Irving. Fall is also a great time to read a fabulous series starring a certain boy wizard. Oh, I love Harry Potter, too. No. Oh, no. No, 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 no. Harry Potter is fine if you want to be bored to death. I'm talking about the exciting adventures of Thomas Merlinstein, boy wizard. Orphaned when his parents are killed by the evil dark wizard Scarfinius, Thomas must learn who he really is with the help of his friends Gary and Hydrangea and become the greatest wizard the world has ever known. Well, this kind of sounds like a pretty cheap knockoff of Harry Potter. Well, you me? know what? It's not, Connor. It's not. It's no. It's really very good. Thank you. Did, I thought it was, too. Yeah. Did Paulette write these books? Uh-huh. You really should check them out. The second one, Thomas Merlinstein and the Sorcerer's Blood Goblet, just came out. It's the sequel to Thomas Merlinstein and the Chamber of the Phoenix's Fire. Well, that does sound exciting, and not at all like Harry Potter. Thanks for sharing your book suggestions with us, ladies. You're welcome. That was Book Look with Lynn Ruffle and Paulette Overby. Now it's time for this week's Big Little Wins, because we need to celebrate all of our wins, no matter how small. Congrats to Alexa Dombrowski of Flagstaff, Arizona, who found her scissors right in the top drawer where she expected to find them. This was the first time in several months where a household item was put away and then found in its proper place. Way to go, Alexa, on this Big Little Win. Our other Big Little Win comes from yours truly, Cordell Nutbrock, who got to co-host COK this week, while regular co-host Dinah Jones-Mallow is out with a stomach bug. Even though my colleague Dinah has the violent technicolor yawns, it doesn't make this any less of a Big Little Win for me. Low blow, Cordell. If you want to tell us about a Big Little Win, post it on our Facebook page or send us a tweet. That's all for this week's episode of Consider Our Knowledge. If you want more from the best-looking news team in public radio, visit considerourknowledge.com or like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Consider Our Know. 
You can download the podcast at iTunes and at Stitcher.com. This week's episode is dedicated to the victims of the Las Vegas massacre and their families. We finally need meaningful gun control in this country. Thanks for listening. I'm Connor Bentley.